Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Ben here, and in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with Scott Fazzoli. Sorry, Guzzoli. Jesus Christ. Let me take that again. Hey there, friends of failure. It's, it's, it's Ben Currier, and I'm here with Scott Guzzoli. I wrote Fazzoli. That's why I said that. <laughs> Probably because of the restaurant. Anyways. Bro, uh, listen, listen. Bologna, the ravioli. There's a lot of mistakes that come up with my name. Trust me. I know. I know. Thank you, brother. How you doing? Yes, I'm doing great. How are you doing there, Scott? I'm good, man. Everybody, Scott Cazzoli here. It's Friday. I'm jacked up. Just got back from the gym. I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Oh, man. nice. There's a place I've been to like twice in my life. So <laughs> I'm very familiar with like those. What? Two times were like not you felt good, though, right after. I don't know much. I know. Well, one of the times I had a personal trainer give me his like, I don't know, uh, demo version or whatever. And I'm like, I'm out of here forever is basically how yeah. I felt. But yeah. it's only because I don't need it. I need to get to a point where I have enough stuff going on good in my body that I'm not starting from absolute zero. Like I can do a bunch of push-ups and stuff at home. I can do plenty of activity at home that doesn't require a gym before I need to get a gym level activity, you know? Yeah, in today's world, it's like, who's selling you this? Who's selling you that? Like, if somebody just left you alone and just let you be in the gym for like a month, it would probably go a lot better. And that's like, that's the the issue, right? Nobody, everybody sees like the the end result of things, like the um, mm. the wall that's built. But you have to look at stuff like brick by brick. I was, um when I was 17, I was 240 pounds. So I was a, I was oh, a wow. big boy. Um, I wasn't healthy. I was on that McDonald's diet mm-hmm. three times a week. Um, but I played football. I was pretty good. So I was like, oh, it's cool. It's, I don't, I, you know, I'm moving and shaking. And I always like regret that. Um, you're looking back and like, oh, I should have ate a little better. But I went to the doctor. You know, the doctor told me, like, if you don't change your diet, your triglycerides are supposed to be 500. They're at 3,500. Like, what are you eating? And what happened was my grandmother passed away, old school Italian mother of the family, like cooking. My mother can't cook. She's the only Italian woman that can't cook. So she ended up uh, just doing the McDonald's stuff. And, and from that moment, I, I, I never realized, like, Oh, I could feel a lot better. So I, I started getting into the fitness, started just, you know, basic, not not lifting and not doing any of that stuff, just just eating the right way. And I never once I started seeing that you could actually alter the material world, like, wow, I can actually change. Um, that's what started me on this path of like self-development and going through um, quite a bit of failure. So that first, that's why I was so excited to talk to you. I, I could talk to you about all my failures. I've had a couple of them, and it seems that there's a theme with mine, at least in my 20s, was that I would be, I could be able to get pretty good at something. For example, football. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, my letter of intent to go to Central Florida was all cool. Going to set up there between that Rutgers, and I blew out my uh, my ACL, MCL, meniscus within uh, a couple games of the season ending. And you could have really pushed um, through the physical therapy and tried to to do something with it, but I just kind of quit. Well, hold on, let me backtrack for two seconds. What position did you play in football? So t- it was called a rover, but I would say in today's a rover rover was outside linebacker, free safety. Nice. As an Irish guy, I think that's the position I would play. Hopefully. Yeah. No, you look like it. Yeah. yeah but I was like Irish rover, Irish rover. Don't worry about it. No, no, I get it. <laughs> I get song. it. <laughs> um, but before we get to your failures, I want to pump you up. I want to give you some some time to inflate yourself before we deflate. So what's give us some of the good stuff. What's the what are the things you're proud of that you've uh, accomplished up through now? So we know a little bit more of the stakes of like, you know, what you're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say I, I kind of wear different hats nowadays. So the day job is um, a quest organization. Uh, it's a firm I created five years ago. So to give everybody like a little bit of background here, I, I double major in economics and finance, got my MBAs in uh, business administration and then accounting, um, spent six years in the hedge fund space, just didn't really click for me. It was more of just uh, doing what my mother told me to do and thought, you know, you'd be happy at the end of it. You're making money, but not quite for me. 
And she still tells me this day, I should go back and do that stuff, but took a chance on myself. I was lucky enough to partner up with some of the wealthiest people um, in New York City. They're called family offices is what they do. So that's really my specialty is dealing with these family offices, which for people who are not familiar, it's a wealth management platform for one individual family. So if you're a billionaire, you hold all your money in your family office. So it's your it's your, it's your financial service investments, your philanthropic investments. It's not like they put it in a checking account, right? So um, mm-hmm. I'm lucky enough to, to be around these people. It's altered my mindset because when you're talking to somebody who oh, their third house is a $24 million condo in New York City, it kind of just changed me to be like, oh, why can't I have one house? And why can't, you know, you just kind of bump yourself up there a little bit. So I'm lucky enough to have a good job. It's kind of self-running at this point. Not my passion by any means. Sorry to the kids working with me, but it's not. Um, <laughs> my real passions of the, the podcast causing the effect, the, the quick spiel on that is just simply make people be a better version of themselves through practical wisdom, physi- physiology, psychology, and, uh, you know, trying to bring together the, the mind, body and spirit where people are lacking. So for people who are, you know, meditation people, spirituality gurus, let them learn a little bit more about bodybuilding fitness. And for the fitness people, let them learn a little bit about, bit about mindset and um, trying to piece all those pieces together. And then at night, stand up comedy, another passion of mine, by far the hardest thing I've done. But uh, I started this journey in 2019 when I just said, I'm going to do exactly what I feel I meant to do. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Didn't like corporate America. And now, you know, happy to say I'm lucky, you know, working 25, 30 hours a week. Fridays or Mondays and Fridays are off for me. And it's nice to be able to like live outside of of what you're supposed to be doing and, and be able to say, yeah, I did it. And, you know, it, it kind of works. It, it is possible. So, yeah, I fucking hate corporate America. I was there for 15 years. I got fired from every job I've ever had, which is six for six. I also went undergrad (laughs) in accounting and I got my MBA afterwards. So uh, (laughs) I see some similarities, but uh, I just hated it. Uh, Now I'm trying to make, you know, do my own thing with my own business. So kind of like you trying to figure out how to make it like, why can't I? uh, be, Be having the money that I'm watching these rich people trade with each other, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And then that's that, that's the truth of it. How did you uh, how did you like accounting? Oh, hated it. So I switched it, right? almost immediately. Well, I went to I started out at KPMG and then I realized, oh, shoot, uh, nobody wants me to be here. The client, uh, no one likes auditors. So when you're at uh, a client's office auditing, they don't want you there. They're, you're like checking through their stuff. I didn't want to be there. So I'm like, why am I here? You know, if they don't want me here, I don't want to be here. Dude, what's the point? And also accounting sucks. So even when you're just the people at, at the company doing normal accounting at the end of the month, no one's like cheering. Yay, accounting, you did it. It's either you did something wrong or nothing. You know, it's like a thankless. And and yeah, you're over tolerable era. You fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and it's funny that we both started at big, uh, big four. I was PwC and I like, oh, I got an offer from them. It was, it was either one. Yeah. And listen, man, I. I I, you don't seem to be like a big four type person. Like I did not fit that bill. Like, hey, like what, what college did you go to? Ha <laughs> ha And I'm like, go fuck yourself. Like that's what <laughs> that's what it felt like. And even like I, I got out of there in three years and went to um, like a family office. And that's exactly what we're dealing with. These billionaires are getting mad at me. Three billion dollar account is off by one hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand. Like, bro, it's called fucking tolerable error. Leave me alone about this. And- yeah, it's a rounding error. Yeah, they just torture you. And that was I just never I realize I'm pretty pragmatic in what in what I do. And um, I'm, I'm sure you're like me, like where I feel like when you're when you're a guy, you can kind of go into people or things. And, I, you know, accounting uh-huh. is more of a thing. I realize yeah. I'm, I, I'm very much more a people person. I got to be around people. And I just got lucky to like that. That hedge fund was just ultra rich people. And um, in between after I left the financial services, I said, let me not waste these degrees. Let me at least try a different space. So let me, I said, let me go to music. Um, and I was mm-hmm. the CFO of title streaming, which is Jay-Z and Beyonce's company. So that, um, that was cool. You were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was the first CFO. That's crazy. So if you Google, um, I'll give you guys a, a little story. This is a good story. So I get in there, the name, uh, I got a lot of NDAs, whatever. If they come after me, they come after me. Here's, here's what happened, Ben. No one listens to the show. That else. All right, perfect, perfect. <laughs> so what happened was Jay-Z's best friend, Desiree Lopez is the CEO of Rock Nation and Title. Everybody Google Desiree Lopez. That is the one that got A-Rod in trouble for selling Coke. This woman went to jail for doing drugs. Okay. All different stuff. Listen, Ben, I'm not saying she's a bad woman. I'm just saying mm-hmm. 
you don't know accounting. So we would have back and forths. <laughs> and I go, listen, you're not understanding. So what happened was Jay-Z bought the company from a uh, from a Swedish company that then sold it to a Polish company, which then sold it to an American company. So you have to translate all the different dollar signs. So I do all this. And let's just say the numbers, and this is for everybody that just knows I'm not bullshitting you, just type in double streaming fraud, uh, Kanye and Rihanna. They were double counting the streams of those two people. So in 2017, I said, listen, you're doing it wrong. It's going to hit the bottom line, but the SEC is coming in next year. If I can catch it, they're definitely going to catch it. No, 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 it's fine. Just stamp it. I couldn't stamp it because I had my CPA and I had all that stuff on it. So I said, listen, if you don't change it, I'm leaving. So I left. But besides that that one person, Jay-Z was a hell of a guy. Beyonce, awesome. And they hooked me up with, you know, I, I had the financial service rich rich kind of wealthy people. And then Jay-Z hooked me up with some of his friends. So I had a nice building and even they were, they were telling me like, listen, you're a good accountant. Um, you're good at what you do, but you should really like be in relationships or something. So when you hear that from, from successful people, you're like, okay, let me try to listen and, and do something. So that is a, another story there. So. That's crazy. Yeah, no, I realized I needed to switch to uh, forward looking financial planning stuff. Cause I like, mm-hmm. well, you can't be right when you're predicting the future. So it's nice. Uh, and you get all the accolades like the the executives want to hear what the uh, f- forward looking financials are, yeah. you know, so you get a lot more uh, FaceTime and, and whatever. It's it's more cheery on than uh, the accounting side. Plus, you kind of yeah. said it's boring. It's what already happened. It's history it's done. It's in the past. Why am I double checking this shit? We made exactly. money. It's it's fine. Yeah, I was the worst. I uh, When I went, went over to the private side, PwC was the the tax preparers and I was supposed to check their work. And I just said I did. I didn't check it. And I, my, my CFO was like, yeah, you can never do the taxes ever again. Like everything is wrong. I was like, well, like you're supposed to foot and cross foot it. And you didn't, I, don't know, I just said I, I said I did it. All my work papers are bullshit. That's all I'm saying. Ben. <laughs> but hey, we're here now. Mine weren't that great either. <laughs> I was playing video games. I remember playing video games at work because I was so bored. And uh, that was definitely part of it. But I'd be sitting there uh, till like 10 o'clock at night and the partners are still there. And I'm like, is this the goal? Yeah, that, I do not that, want to be here at 10 o'clock at night. Well, at public accounting, bro. Yeah, that's one thing. Like, there's no end in sight. Because once you get in that partner track, you got to bring in money and do the client stuff. And even when I was in the hedge fund, I would finish, you know, you wreck out a couple of funds. My job's done. Why am I sitting here waiting for people to leave? It doesn't. I'm, I'm just a very pragmatic guy. So yeah. um, accounting is not the work of pragmatic people, honestly. It's funny because I didn't know it was the stereotypical boring guy uh, job for like stand up comedy because when I picked it, I was like, oh, well, everybody needs an accountant, right? I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, like, no, me meant honestly. General ledger. No. What is this? No, no I idea. still and, and even, <laughs> I, I have my CPA, bro. I literally don't remember any. The reason why I picked what I did was my mother said, you have to be a doctor, a lawyer or an accountant. Which one you want to be? And all I did was I looked at what is the least amount of years in school. That's the only reason I picked accountancy. Out of those three, I'd pick accountant for Me sure. Same. That's great minds. Great minds of life. I mean, but it's not the worst. It's good. Not the worst to know how the financial world works and then pivot and to go do a bunch of other cool shit, but still know, you know, the finance side. Yeah. Honestly, like people think I know my stuff from my resume because I, I did, uh, you know, it's a CPA and it's like, uh, whatever gets you to trust me. Like, I don't, I don't fucking know. Like it's, it is what it is. Yeah. I remember I had the CPA, the Becker CPA review course box sitting there. It's like, mm-hmm. Ugh, I'm not doing that. No way. Cause I, but that's why I started the master's cause in, in Massachusetts, you have to get a master's degree, certain amount of hours of a master's to get. Yeah. 150 credits. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then I just pivoted it to an MBA once I realized I wasn't going to do accounting and then decided to go forward looking financials. That's why I worked at a video game company, did all sorts of cool shit. But let's talk about you. What what happened after the uh, the CFO fallout? Uh, there, I, I always had like this uh, this urge. I just saw that like, you know, if I'm going to do anything, let me just work. Like I, I could be a personal trainer. I was like, I'm still going to work for these billionaires because they pay the most money. It just makes sense from my pragmatic, efficient mind. And I was lucky enough to, I just saw mm-hmm. that people always were like weird around them. And I was lucky enough just to be like, Hey, I did a report for, for three of them every week from 22 to 26. So by the time, you know, like even when they meet me now, when I do my meetings, I mean, I'll be in a suit and I'll pretend to, to care, yeah. but like it, you're going to see what you get. My, my pitch to them is listen, I know your commodity is the, the biggest commodity you have is time. You're a billionaire. You don't need money. You need people you trust. There's people pulling at you every second. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do work together. Let's save you time. 
I can bullshit, but I'm not a bullshitter. We'll get you what you want. And they just want somebody who's going to be available to them when they need it. And this part of my job is like, yo, you have to look at your phone, but um, it's about setting boundaries and setting respect. And some of them don't. Some of these financial guys are yellers and this or that. And I'm lucky enough to say, hey, listen, go work with somebody else. And you know, don't do that. Now, there were those hours where every week you're working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks just to start the meetings and you're doing the networking. But now, four or five years later, it's pretty steady running. I got a team of 18 kids underneath me. God bless mm-hmm. all of them. Really good kids. No drama. There's no no nonsense. And it's a very like, even though like I never wanted to become corporate America, I didn't want that. So it's a very free flowing thing. So everybody has to yeah. make certain amounts of money, right? That's all I care about. These kids are working right now. God bless. Thank you guys for working on Fridays. There's no micromanaging. If you could do your job and you want to make 150,000, do whatever you want. I don't care. And then at the end of every quarter, we sit down with each of them and uh, we'll talk about what they want. Some kids are the the single New York kids who want to, who want more money. God bless. I'll give you a bonus. Some guys are married. They want time off with their kids. God bless. I got you. Some kids want me to go out with them and pick up girls with them. God bless. You got me. Whatever they want to do, I will do. And I think I just try to make it the opposite of what the world is. Least amount of meetings. Somebody has an issue. Open door policy. Mm-hmm. Every Monday, we'll sit down with the kids who are having problems, let's say. And there's always a problem with somebody, whether it's personal, whether it's work, it's yeah. bleeding in. And just trying to make it a, a like the goal is to have work-life balance, make some money. And just be stressless doing it because the problem in New York City in that world is people just want to freak out about everything. Am I, I'm the opposite. I'm like, listen, if you don't like the style, mm-hmm. get the fuck out of here because it's not that's just not how I'm going to run. So me neither. I mean, the the theme through all my firings was that the the moment they started increasing the micromanagement yeah, was when I was physically repulsing from the computer. Yeah, you're going to pull away. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. I can't I can't be told to this level what to do with my time, you know? And so I totally agree. And, and the fact that you have the freedom to control your time, it seems yeah, amazing w- to an extent, your clients obviously yeah. demand a certain amount from you, but Hey, it seems like you set it up in a good way and that you'll be able to pursue these other things, you know, stand up comedy, the podcast, all the other things, even more, the more you're able to free yourself of them, the day to day, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. And, and listen, time management is, is a, is a key, is a piece, piece of it. And also being honest with people like, listen, People are calling me today. You're not going to get me. I'm not. I'm not doing work stuff on Friday. It's just not happening. And people want to. If you want to. If you want to freak out about that, that's fine. But I'm not going to. It's just not going to happen. Setting boundaries, sticking to them. But Tuesday, Wednesday, like Thursday. Listen, man. I'm all in on work. It's. It's. That's that. And I. I I've learned to kind of change. So today I'm turning into podcasting, Scott. It's Friday. Um, So I'll be doing this stuff Friday, Saturday, a little bit on Sunday, try to regroup on Sundays, a little bit of work on Monday. So, you know, you could, some people just think, yeah, I just got to get a nine to five job, or I just got to become a uh, fireman. Like I'm not knocking them. My whole family's firemen and cops. Not that that's not like you can't pay, you you can't pay me a million dollars to do that. My sister Mm. is a a cop in New York city. Yeah. That's insane. Like I find it crazy. And I was like, yeah, you make a $90,000 to do that. Like, what are you crazy? But everybody has their, their little things and what works for them. And um, I'm just lucky enough. Like, like there, there's more of that, that feeling that you have of the more I'm controlled, the more I'm going to pull back. That's a classic thing for, for kids like us, Mm -hmm. men like us by this point that have been, you know, our parents worked hard. They told us we're snowflakes. They told us we're, we could be special. Yeah. And we are, but you can't you don't get treated that way. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to, but then like guys like us aren't going to be able to work for people. No. So it's just, that's the pro and con of it, which I think it's better to do that because you may have years where you're not knowing where you're going and maybe times will be tough or this or that, but your freedom is for me, the biggest value of life. That is what I want. That is what um, my top commodity in life is, is variety yeah. and, and freedom. And when you have that life is more vibrant, life is more fun. I mean, all this fun shit, you never, you never bored. So. Yeah. And I, I realized I had to be an entrepreneur, not because only because they wouldn't let me stay at any of these jobs. Cause so I literally couldn't <laughs> stay in corporate <laughs> America, but because it's just not for me, I, I have to, I don't know. I have to be able to control my own time. But my problem is I also joked about how I hated taking my work home with me. So I wouldn't financially plan my own life because it's like so tapped out in finances by the time I got home, like, yeah. Oh, I just spend anything, whatever blank check for having a good time. Yeah. So, you know, transitioning to entrepreneurship is, uh, is not easy, but it's definitely what needs to happen. Cause I can't, I, I don't know if it's cause we're from the East coast, like New York and Boston, people don't want to be told what to do sometimes because that's definitely part of it. And I'm in the Midwest now, but I used to get in trouble, uh, you know, cause of corporate politics and everything. If you tell someone that's a terrible idea, 
they get mad at you. Like I'm not saying you're terrible. Yeah, it's just the idea. This idea was terrible. It was, yeah. it was bullshit. <laughs> like there's no way that I'm gonna do that or whatever. No, nah, man, I'm I'm with you, and I think that COVID was a good thing in the sense that people are just starting to wake up a little bit, um, and realize like what's what's really important here. And even like working in an office, like listen, mm-hmm. I was not paying. Uh, I was letting my lease go. Uh, we were doing forty two thousand dollars a month of rent. I was I was like, yo, we don't need a place. Everybody work from home. These kids wanted to go in the office, which I was like, God bless you kids are better than me because I you can't pay me to go in. So now we go in three days a week. Yeah, I think that that shows them that they're trying and caring. But like for some of these bosses that I work with, well, everybody needs to be working five days a week for what? Why do you need to have this illusion of control of, of people? Um, and, and I think some people are like the more you let go, the more people tend to want to work. And, and you know, like if, if you were left alone in, in your jobs, probably would have done a lot more. That's how I work. I'm, I've realized like when people aren't telling me to do, I can really just really sky's the limit. You don't got to listen to the nonsense. Yeah. Especially when people are telling you bad things to do, like the wrong things to do. And you know that you should be doing something else, mm-hmm. but they're overloading you with all this other stuff. It can be tough to watch some of that. But I, I mean, I used to work for billionaires. Uh, unfortunately, the ones I worked for weren't as nice as the ones it seems you deal with. They'd be paying their vendors late and doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, there, there's two different types. It's like, come on, you have so much money. Don't be such a dick. Yeah. And looking at his his company chart, like of who owns what, it was like a constellation map. It was like probably 300 companies all sharing, you know, it's like so many games and eventually I'll have to learn the games. If I get money, you know, then I'll have to find, find how to play that game because I was mostly doing the, uh, you know, forward looking P&L balance sheet, cash flow, stuff like that. I'm trying to figure out the, the business where that's going, yeah, I mean, but I didn't do a lot of money management or, you know, asset management type of stuff, which mm-hmm. would have been cool. My, my first girlfriend in college, her dad was an asset manager and they were super wealthy and had like five houses and a place with like a, you know, retractable roof over their indoor pool, that type of stuff, indoor movie theater. That was looking nice. Yeah, man. There's two different types of, of billionaires. I call them like Sour Patch Kids. And there's usually the guy who, um, I'll tell you about one guy. I'll drop. I'll name drop. You ever heard of Kind Bars? Ever seen yeah. Kind Bars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that I set up Mr. Lubetsky's family office. Shout out to Daniel Lubetsky. He'll never listen to this, but he is. Shout out. Yeah. Shout out. Born with nothing in New Mexico. One of the nicest people you could ever meet. He liquid. He liquidated half of his shares. He, you know, he just got in cash like two billion dollars. What you can't find a better human being. It was hit. He, he fronted money for my podcast and got me gave me the the, the encouragement to do mine because we, we always had nice conversations and stuff like that and then there's some people oh wait the name kind does apply yes no no really does he really is that you get it That's, easy to remember yeah and um you know he has a book i forgot the name of the book but he gave it to me another just a great guy but then there's some guys usually the second generation the third generation spoiled brats and it comes down to entitlement Mm-hmm. comes down to perception, thinking you're better than everybody else. Humility is a key I've learned. Like even for me growing through this process of making some money and, you know, being this fucking guy who deals with these people, like just be fucking humble and just just shut up. You're not that important. Yeah, I'm still not good at that, but it's still something that I've learned to be in the back of my head. And it gets you. It, it really works when you're when you're just chatting with people. And I really, um, you know, growing up, I was lucky enough to just always, uh, my father was a very, very bravioso type person. And I, I realized I just didn't feel right to me. So I treat the janitor like the CEO. Mm-hmm. And that, that's always the nice way to go through life because you never know where and who will uh, help you along the way. Treat the janitor better than the CEO. That's what I say. I like that. I like that. <laughs> They're doing a lot more work, honestly. Right. But, I do. But I didn't, ha- I wasn't pushed towards accounting like as much as you were. They were just like, go to college, do anything. Like, do anything. They didn't go to college. So it was like, and I didn't know anything, but uh, what what was the turning point when you were finally like, OK, I'm done with mom's way. You said you're like 27 or something. What was the how, when did it hit you? How did it hit you? Yeah, man, I could tell you. I could tell you. if you saw me 27 fit, making money, wearing two thousand dollar suits, married to this beautiful Italian girl and I do it all right. And you're like, yo, you got it. And I'm sitting there like, this is fucking miserable. Like what? The sh-? Like I did. I did everything. My mother said uh-huh. I did it. Worked hard. Got the girl. I'm like, this just doesn't work. And you start realizing like mom doesn't know shit. Now, listen, I'm not saying listen to your mom. Mom's usually right. But they can only get you to a certain extent. Clean your room. Do this. When, when it comes down to these personal choices of life, like everybody's different, you know, exactly like that lifestyle of a corporate 
America person was making me sick. So I got ulcers in my stomach, um, went to the doctor. Mm-hmm. I was like, what, what's going on here? Like, am I eating something? He's like, no, no, it's stress. I'm like, it's not stress. He's like, yeah. are you doing anything stressful? Like, do you physically get sick? I was like, yeah, every Sunday night around six, I actually get sick. He's like, well, I wonder why. Like, is it the job that you hate? And I was like, yeah, it's the job. So that was the- f- like, Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. So that was the first <laughs> step. And then, you know, you look deeper into the person you're with and you realize like- you know, I was a, a very insecure kid growing up and I thought, okay, let me take, I don't want to say, let me take the first girl. Cause listen, the, I get what you mean. She was a very nice girl. Just not, not a good fit for me. Classic. Some sort of settling. Yes, exactly. And listen, it, it was, um, it's, it's hard when you go through a divorce. Right. Um, but when you're thinking about it, like when you're at that point already, like, do I leave or do I stay? Like you've already lost, like you're going to regret it one way or the other. And you have to, do what's what's going to be best for you. And you'll never really know the answer to that. I got lucky and just knew like two, three months after being single and like just living my life that I was, I enjoy this. I enjoy being alone. I You made the right choice. Yes, exactly. And that's, you know, I'm not saying I have everything like the, the women's stuff has been a weakness of mine because like when you're doing all this stuff we're talking about, yeah. it's hard to give them, you know, what they want. So yeah, you have to kind of accept that and understand, but I, I've taken the approach of like, let's, let's do our work. The, the, you know, let's hit these goals. Let's spiritually mm-hmm. grow. Let's grow in these pieces. And then eventually when the right person comes around, they will accept me for, for who I am. And as, as I get older, you know, you become a little slower, you'll slow down, you want kids, you want to move in all that stuff. So I just kind of accepted that my journey is not so much of that. Let's get married when I'm 30. It's more get married when you're 35, 40, something like that. I just don't, I don't really worry about that stuff at this point. I getting married when it's, when it seems right. Exactly. When the girl comes or never. Exactly. And I think right? accepting I mean, I that. Yeah, no, but accepting that is hard, especially in my family. All everybody's married and this and that. You have to hear the shit. It just doesn't really bother me because why would I live off of other people's timelines? And I see kids doing that all the time, right? Especially girls. Once they hit that 30, they think a clock mm-hmm. like every girl I, 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 that, 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 that I've been with um, in recently, like they hit this 30 and they're like, well, when we get married, when, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy to ask that question to. Shot clock's going. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And it's like, <laughs> listen, I understand you want to have a baby, but there's no rush in the process. You got to enjoy every moment. I think I'm probably too relaxed, but I rather well, we don't have to rush. So we get the benefit of also having Ben. you want the truth. A lifetime supply. Exactly. Like my future second wife is probably in college right now. I'm just, that's just the truth, man. Well, so hopefully she has good genes. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Oh, she will. She will. She will. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. wouldn't settle for anything less. I hope, but that's good though. Cause I cannot, or I've had a lot of trouble choosing business or money over women. You know what I mean? Like chasing women versus chasing money. You know, that's good though. Bro, but li- listen, it's listen. I love the chase of women, and I I realize I I still realize like I I do go through certain themes with girls, and like you want the you want this one or that one, and you you know I I just know that for me it would be at this point in life it's going to be something a little bit shallow mm-hmm. that I rather not do like I'm the guy I'm such a I'm such a psycho Ben I tell these girls I'm like listen you're gonna come home with me you're gonna, you're gonna do this just don't you don't really gotta text me. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like that. I try to be honest because like, what do we do? Like, what, what's the point? But they get it's a little too honest. But yeah, yeah, probably I'll way too honest. Just like, you know, trying to get this stuff out of, of the open now. But listen, man, everybody got to live their kind of way about it. And when I am ready to do that, I'm definitely going to take it very seriously. And, and I want to, you know, I want the next marriage to be the last. God, please. God, thank you. Please. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you, and I'm just totally guessing you have not struggled with addiction. Is that correct? Incorrect. Oh, hell no, Ben. Okay. Incorrect. Incorrect. You could you could pick you could pick which addiction and I will tell you which one. Well, I've been to AA. I've been to NA. I've been to SLAA. Have you done that one? Which is sex and love. So I. I've, oh, so I, I mean, listen, so I'll give you the, the full story here. Um, This is so oh, yeah, hit me with it. My father growing up was had a very big and addictive personality. He would take me to the warehouse where he was selling coffee. So in Brooklyn, they have these factories. So you walk in, there's coffee cans everywhere. Beautiful. I'm like, business is huh? booming. What's going to happen? My father was not selling coffee. He was selling cocaine. So um, what happened was he was one of the first RICO cases, got clipped, ended up going into witness protection program. He used to have my name. He changed it, moved to Shawnee, Kansas, given up the whole secret. Go find them. Go whack them if they want, whatever. Yep. He's right near me. Go, come see me too. Whack yep. me. 
whack whack Ben as well. But um, he 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 was a uh, in, in AA, still is in AA. Got very high on his own supply with cocaine and this and that. And not that yeah. I've learned to tame myself, but when when I was in that hedge fund when I was doing that stuff, I would anything I get my hands on, we were doing it. I would fly to Vegas every Friday night. 37 weeks in a row, we would go out, we would do lots of crazy things. I was doing the yellow cocaine. Uh, for people that don't know when you get the cocaine from the cartel from the border, it is yellow. That is a fact because I asked the Oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah, I asked the guy. So the first time I ever did it. Okay. Another story for you. Okay. It's the AVN Awards. It's the porn awards. Oh, yeah. And uh yeah, they have them in Hard Rock Hotel. So I'm there. By the way, there I was 71% of your weekends that year were in Vegas. Yes, correct. 30, 37 weeks in a row. <laughs> so what happened was my father does his thing, whatever, goes to Sean. He starts spending time in Vegas. I never knew him that well. I said, oh, wow, my dad's in Vegas. We should, um, you know, I should try to connect. It sounds like a good idea. Because Oli's gambling, brother, not a good thing. So foot on the gas, Oli. You don't even. <laughs> so I'm talking about we would play backer at. He was playing like $60,000 hands of, of backer, like crazy amounts of money, which is like me as a kid, yeah. when you see that, you're just fucked. So that's why like, I tell people like, if I gamble, oh yeah, I'll gamble once a year now and it's just going to be a disaster. So I got my, mm -hmm. I got my bonus yesterday. So we're going next month. It's going to be a whole shit show, but oh, wow. um, you know, you get, it's a lifestyle. So it's like, it was fun. We go to the AVN awards for fun. I meet this. I don't know. who. How'd you get into the AVN awards? Dude, we were the big, you know, when your dad's gambling, that kind of money, you just, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you run, you run, like you get all the, the stuff. So we had like these gigantic suites you, and you weren't in anything. You just were a, uh, an audience member. Well, the, and they would see me and be like, <laughs> right. Oh, well, this is a young, good looking kid. Like, Oh, well, the, the, the hard rock wanted to get the, the, the guy's son, right. To get all uh -huh. the stuff and get a part of that. Gotcha. Stupid game. So um, I get all these. I, I don't know if I was. I don't even think I got a porn star. I got a porn star's hairstylist. And I was like, get everybody. We're having a party here. Uh, I had a butler in the hotel room. And I was like, yo, I need cocaine. And I need it now. He's like, how much do you want? I was like, I don't know. How much does cocaine cost? This is like baby Scott. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, And I gave him like $5,000. And he brought back like $5,000 of cocaine. It was like a brick of cocaine. That's a lot. And it, it, it was like yellow, like on a tray. And I was like, is this right? Like, because I, I didn't want to do like uh, Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction and like do the. Is that what they call yellow cake? Yes, exactly. That's where it comes from. So w right before they when they cut, if you get it like fresh from Mexico, it yep. is yellow. That is the the shade of it. And every time it gets diluted with the whatever the powder, whatever kind of shit mm -hmm. that, that's cut. By the time it gets to the East Coast, it is cut. I feel like there's a Dave Chappelle joke in his show about yellow cake. And I yes. did not get at some mm -hmm. point. Now I get it. It's about cocaine. Exactly. Cool. Yeah, man. Five grand. Hey. Go grab a bunch of okay. bro, bro. This guy showed up and there was a hundred people in this suite. And I was like, uh, man, and I and I wasn't planning on doing it. Right. Because I'm like, I don't even know what cocaine feels like. Yeah. But you needed that much. I love that. The quantity you decided to. Oh, I did it. Oh, I did it. It was great. Literally, I gave yeah. you that five thousand. I was like, here, I don't I, I have no didn't know. Shit. I want enough to make it rain cocaine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But listen, that started a whole lifestyle of like from 23 to 26, 27. It was when people are like I partied, I'm like, I, I know you party, but like I almost died. Like I've I've had multiple multiple stories at the uh the Desert Viajo Nevada hotel. I mean a hospital. And if anybody's never been to the hospital in Las Vegas, do not go because that is where people go. That's where you go to die. That's I see. I saw a guy talking to a flamingo. Swear to God. First first time I went there, there's a dude talking to a flamingo. Is it we talking about ER? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Just, it's a shit show. It's it, 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 ridiculous. So because most ERs are, are, you know, hectic enough. You had Vegas in the mix. Who knows what's happening? For, bro, forget it. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah, my that was so that was the night. But you got it seems like it seems like you got well, I don't want to ruin the story if it goes anywhere else, but it seems like you have just like me successfully kept a clean record throughout all of this. What do you say clean record? What do you mean? Like criminal? Uh not get arrested, didn't go to jail. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's easy. Isn't that nice? Isn't that awesome? That's easy. I always pay the cops off. I don't pay them off. I just got lucky. Thank God, bro, bro. Yeah, you got lucky. And I, I did not. I, I did. We, we would we would do. So what we would do in New York City now to give people a, a crazy idea of how this would work is you go to the city, you do your bottle service, all this stuff. My friend would drive for Uber. He was an Uber driver in his day job. So I would wear a suit everywhere we went. That's this way. If we got pulled over, 
I would jump in the back, pretend to be like a dickhead client of the, I'm like, this is my Uber driver. We have to go. I have a meeting or something like that. It was something crazy. So we would run that all the time and we would go to the club. Yeah. Till 2.30. You'd get mad at the cop who pulled you over. How dare you? How dare you, sir? Do you have any idea Um, how much money you're costing me? Millions by the second. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. But then like we would go out in the city, drive from Manhattan to Atlantic City to gamble two hours, Uh blackout drunk. Who drove the car, this or that? And the story that ended that us doing that was um, we woke up on the wrong side of the of the Pennsylvania Turnpike, driving on a highway. Why are we in Pennsylvania? A, <laughs> B. Why are we on the wrong side of the highway? We were trying. We, we figured we were trying to get to the uh, Bethlehem Casino because I guess drunk. We didn't want to go to New Jersey. We had to go to the, the Bethlehem. Now, did you just come to and then have to try to figure out what you were doing, what your objective was? No, we knew it was the casino. Yeah, I came up at. I was in the back of the truck. Uh-huh. I picked my head up. We were on the wrong side of the highway. Oh, okay. And I said, yo, just just if we die, we die. I'm going to go to sleep. Just like get us there. And we woke up at Parks Casino. Parks Casino, P-A-R-X is the name of that. Um, yeah. So to answer your question with addiction, I've been addicted. Nowadays, just really marijuana, just some pot, some psychedelics, nothing mm-hmm. really too crazy. I'm not partying like I was never partying at your level, I guess, but also uh, I'm not partying these days as much as I used to. Although even recently this year, I had some some weird times where, like you, I woke up in a car. Mine was wrecked. Oh, shit. Uh, I had hit the, the failure one. If you see the picture. Yeah. The failure license plate. That's the car. Wow. So I totaled that. Oh, and totally fucked it up. And then the cops are there. And I had pink sweatpants on. So I had to like then do the whole sobriety test thing. I was in Dre- Adrenaline City. I didn't even know. Like you were. I think I fell asleep because I've been driving so much lately. Jeez. Uh, everything was fine. I did the alphabet backwards. They realized I was sober. I sold my car to the tow truck driver. I wrote my, my VIN on the slip. I don't know if you know that's a move. <laughs> that's what got me. That was earlier this year. So, um, wow. But that was just a cascade of errors. It wasn't uh, really more addiction stuff. I mean, listen, if you, if you could look back at that like five years and I'm like, that's the worst I did. All right. You know, you buy a failure car and then you crash it. It's like negative manifestation. Like it's the prime example of it. Exactly. Listen, double negative, make a positive, though. Absolutely. Like me and you this right now. That's what I'm saying. Make it magic. This is it. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's magic. Cool. So what kind of effect are you trying to cause? You're causing the effect, man. Yeah. So. It's a it's a play on uh, you. You familiar with Joe Dispenza? Well, you ever heard of that name, Doctor Joe? Uh, Doctor Joe Dispenza. What does he say? What's he known for? So his 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 spiel is more: you have to feel your emotion. Like if you want to feel like you're a success, or if you want to feel whatever you want to feel, you have to be able to to really manifest that before things happen. Gotcha. And um, I did that with kind of letting go of anger. I did it with, like after my divorce, I had like six hundred dollars to my name. Not that I, I never um. I was never struggling, but I was never like making crazy amounts of money. And I used just some of that stuff and, and removing the anger with simple practices of like, there's a couple of, of feelings that you could practice in the morning that actually you can't, for example, gratitude, mm-hmm. you can't feel anger and anxiety with gratitude. So by simply practicing that every morning, I have about an hour and a half mental ritual that I get into more based around pranayama, breath work, meditation. And then I go to the gym every day, hence mm-hmm. causing the effect is the, the, really the, the conversion of your mind, body, and spirit. Um, so instead of cause and effect, like Newtonian is wait for something to happen and then the effect yep. you know, will happen. It's causing your own effect. So really creating your own future, being able to take your life by the horns and be able to truly live the way that you want to live, not the way I'm telling you to live. I just happen to have all this shit that, you know, some people are like, what the fuck? Um, some people want to do professional wrestling. Some people, I, I've had that. Some guys just want to, you know, they want to leave their fathers, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of. Isn't that the best that professional wrestling is the fake one? Yes, correct. Right? Correct. Isn't that funny? I mean. They call it professional. And then there's real professionals from the Olympics who wrestle and they're not the professional no, wrestlers. And nobody even cares about those guys too. Every fucking those, those, that mindset of, yeah, it's nuts, but it's hilarious. You know, that, that's really the, the goal of my podcast just for people to become the truest version of themselves. Really let that inner, whatever goes on, whatever you want to call it, that inner consciousness, those thoughts you have with yourself for that to be able to, yeah you know, kind of flourish on the outside because I was somebody who I would say my outside world did not match my inside world. And I started practicing that. And it's been, 
it's just been very calming, very harmonious, I would say. And it's just like a lot of less anger, a lot less BS trying to like, um, be careful of who you give your energy to, who you, you know, you fuck around with, um, these little things like everybody hears them, but just putting them really truly put into practice. And there's one thing I did, um, that I, I never really, really, I wouldn't say I'm like, a, I wasn't a liar, but you know, you kind of exaggerate things. You want yourself to look a certain way. I stopped doing that. Sure. Um, and really was very careful with the words I'm saying and speaking, because even if people don't catch your bullshit, you catch your bullshit and that will cause the friction yeah. inside of you. So if there's one tip anybody's listening to, just like, just be honest always um, with everything you say. And it really calmed me down in some weird way. Well, yeah, no, I definitely don't do enough meditation, but I highly, Highly recommend it. But also I was noticing the things I was saying to myself and what stories I was telling myself and which ones weren't serving me. Like I would, I've probably said in the last few years that I hate money many times. And how do you make money if you hate money? You know, like with a mindset like that, you're not going to be drawing money towards you. Well, even if you make it, you're still, yeah, you're still going to have a negative thing. And but even like the the language with yourself, right? Like we all, yeah, we all are very critical of ourselves. And even like there's a a positive and negative to charge to everything, right? So like you're probably like me, like where you're perfectionist, you're worried about people think, you want to be like that. That's cool. That's what gets you good at stuff. But at the same point, that means your that voice, that judge that you have is very very you know demanding. Mm -hmm. And for me, every time something went wrong, I would freak out, I would panic, and now I'm just like, yo, I'm like water. Like let's just flow through it. Like if some shit happens, let's just relax. And yeah, particularly with the way my mother was, particularly being in New York City with the way these billionaires are, people can just want to rip at you. And now I'm like, like you have to stand up for yourself in some way, not be a dick to people. Just be like, listen, these are boundaries. Yeah, I think I was being. I was being nice just for the sake of being nice. And now I am nice because I truly understand the darkness with inside of me and the darkness with inside of the human soul that like the capability of doing wrong and being wrong. Like I see that. I know the darkness is there. So it's not like being so, because I see this all the time with people who just are, I'm just, I'm just nice to people just because I want to be nice. Like that, that, that's not really virtuous, right? That's like a rabbit. A rabbit is mm -hmm. just a nice, but if you're nice and you show respect to people because you're setting a boundary and because I understand the, the, the wrath I could have in the world, but I choose not to, that is a totally different thing. Yeah. And it's genuine. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just, you know, like taking a Dale Carnegie tip and, and, and ab abusing it. Yeah. And playing the game. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put my hand in your back and I'm going to say your name six times. Get the fuck out of here with that. Like it, it's all, you know, it, it, there's pieces to it that like maybe a person could, could implement that. Right. And that there's something with even self-development in general that I, like I've been on heavily on this journey, you know, I got coaches, I got this, mm -hmm. there's something to it that, the fun part is like you can just keep growing, but the negative of it is you, you're going to keep satiating like the new thing. Like that treadmill, that human evolutionary process is so useful for us, but you have to be aware that that will be your hamster on the wheel moment where like I'm just chasing money. I'm just chasing women. I'm just chasing this. I'm just chasing a feeling. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm very serious with my with my my spiritual practice of like some people are like who the fuck is this wacko doing woo -woo stuff? It's not about that. It's simply if you sit down with your thoughts for like not and I don't even call it meditating to people. Just call it whatever you want. Just call it introspecting. Call it sitting sure. with your thoughts. If you wake up for 10, 15 minutes and just like sit, don't go on your phone, don't talk to somebody, and just kind of let go of everything. You know, we're conditioned to like seek judgment in people and seek out. Oh, am I doing good? Is this mm -hmm. get that shit out of there. It's all about just let go of, of a lot of the truly be in the present moment and be able to be, have these conversations. That's why I love podcasts. Cause like you can't play, you can't not be present right right now. We're, we're here. We're, we're having a moment hour. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yep. There's nothing else going on in my life besides maybe a couple thoughts up yeah. here that are exactly based on what you said, <laughs> but yeah, I love it. And, and even like, whatever, 10 years ago, it'd be very difficult to have this kind of a thing, not just because of technology. I guess you could do it over the phone call. I'm not sure what prior to, you know, Zoom and everything. I'm sure most podcasts were done in person. You know, mm -hmm. there were probably, I mean, there's always been radio shows and stuff. I'm saying like nowadays it's easier than ever for anybody to do a podcast, you know? And so I'd always, I always suggest people, you know, if you want to get into it, try it out. But also if you aren't sure, be a guest because then once you're done, like you're the guest, once you're done, you don't do shit. <laughs> I got to deal with shepherding it. <laughs> yeah. But even connecting with people too. Like, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Like some people, like I would say I'm the type of guy who I, I kind of beat to, to the own thing on my drum, right? There's not a lot of people I can kind of 
talk to about this stuff and like just reaching out, listening. You know, I saw um, we've met each other through Audrey. I was like, oh, let me listen. Oh, good dude down to earth. Like I just make sure people are genuine that like their vibrations are right with mine. They're not looking for something. Like I had that issue with um, finding like Instagram influencers, like people, those guys are full of shit. So like yeah. I just stay away from that again, not worried about these these views and this or that <laughs> and just kind of just being because you don't realize how much of an effect, you know, a positive person could have on your life. Yeah. Or what our conversation could have on someone else who's going to listen to in the future. It's like dropping the pebble, dropping the pebble in the ocean, man. Yeah. Do you have a hard stop? No, I'm good. Because okay. there's two questions near the end that, that I'll, I'll definitely be asking you. But I guess what I'll wrap that last bullshit up with is that besides like a notebook and a pen and writing a book, podcasting has like the lowest barrier to entry of almost any other kind of thing. And nowadays, especially, you know, with the free version of Zoom or whatever, you can very easily come up with a, with something that's worth putting out into the world. Now, if you don't have anything worth putting out in the world, then definitely don't don't clog it up because it seems like we've got enough people trying to, uh, you know, everybody become Instagram influencers and all that stuff. Everybody thinks yeah, everybody's, everybody's a podcast. But that's why I picked num- world's number one failure. I think I thought like, OK, well, you can't think I'm talking down to you if I'm saying I'm below you. So you must be like, mm. hopefully it'll like negate some of my shitty tone when I'm like <laughs> giving advice. I'm like, uh, there's a lot of competition for number one mm. hedge fund manager or whatever. Yeah, number one failure, <laughs> not much competition out there. So I figured I'd whatever, take a, take a random route, but I just had trouble. You said you want a big self-improvement binge, right? Yeah, it was. And then, or are always on one. I mean, the last couple of years, but like I, I tried to, um, if you, you get caught up in that because like the, the more you, you, you kind of lean towards spirituality and the Buddha, I've taken more of that approach of being enough every day. Like that's why I start, I used to start my meditation, like with that Joe Dispenza stuff we're talking about, like you could, you could manifest and power and do all that stuff. And, but like, you're just going to get onto the next thing. So now it's me trying to remove mm-hmm. that conditionality that we have in ourselves of like, well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Just simply be enjoy the moment, everything you do, let go of these material things. Obviously show, you have to show up to what you do, make money and, and live the life that you choose to live. But at the same point, keep the inner world and keep um, letting go very close next to me. So I find myself once an hour, once every two hours, just like taking a couple minutes breaths um, and just reminding myself of that. Cause it is easy to get caught up in this hamster wheel of life that um, is kind of running people around. Absolutely. Before we get to the last couple of questions, which are more forward looking, is there anything else about failure or the concept of failure, or even just how to approach making mistakes in life uh, that you want to add before we get to some of the more forward-looking. Yeah, absolutely. The The thing with failures, I think we, going through my 20s, I was so disgusted in myself when I failed and it would leave such a negative mark on me. I've learned to like really change that because it only has the meaning you give it, right? And mm-hmm. in the, the truth of failures, like that's where the, that's what you want. You need to go through the failure to learn where you made a mistake, you can learn your resiliency to learn where you, you need to kind of fix. So just, you know, I know a lot of kids nowadays are very, I just want to be successful in gratification. You got to throw that stuff out and, and be ready for the failures to get thrown in your face because that is where your growth lies. Yeah, I agree. Outside the comfort zone is where the magic happens. So it's the only way. It's not fun though. No, it's not fun failing. But you got to get used to it, at least if you want to be successful. Exactly. Like every time I failed, I failed at something. I would just, I, I like couldn't deal myself with the topic that I was even dealing with. And now it's like, yeah, listen, you're going to fail. Like you need to fail because then you're not pushing yourself hard enough if you're not failing. Yeah. Yeah. And I love low expectations. I mean, high hopes, but low expectations. Like, so for example, if it's a, because I was noticing if I'd expect something like whatever, a big deal to go through, right. For my business or something. I, it's like I already had the money, and then when it and then when it didn't happen, it was like it was taken out of my hands. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, that felt like I lost. So, if I keep low expectations and and don't think I have the thing, I've noticed that I don't get so upset if you know whatever happens. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. So, at being a guest on the show, you get a, a get out of fail free card. Oh which is similar to the Monopoly card, but except this one you can use to pursue some sort of a career, hobby, passion, uh, thing that you have avoided. Mine would be for stand-up comedy, so you wouldn't use it for that. Mm -hmm. But something that the amount of failure is so extreme 
in your mind or you've you've avoided pursuing this thing is there something you you'd use again on a fail free card for if you could uh to to succeed at something actor could be anything i don't know you know what pro wrestler no i'm I'm going with it pulling it right back the one we were talking about the one fake wrestling ww now e bro if i didn't have my stage fright i would have tried it swear to god and i would have you know i would have been a fucking yeah because you had the body well the body i would have had the bro imagine me on the mic i would have been like the perfect heel scott the body gazzoli no it would be great scott (laughs) i already had the whole thing great scott Oh, great Scott. I had the whole thing set up. Oh, would there be a back to the future? Would be a great team? Scott. It'd be a whole thing. I'd walk. I have the whole thing set up and then I'd be like, ah, uh, is it a tag team and an old guy? No, no tag team. Just me. <laughs> it's a, it's a one man show. <laughs> um, and it's, I'm simply better than you. And it would be a perfect bad guy. People would be booing like Steven Regal. Not like Steven Regal. Imagine like triple H when he was fucking, when he would do the and spit. Oh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking about like when he was like British or yeah, whatever. I would be a bad guy. I, I, I can accept that in my life. The natural thing is a bad guy. If you told me that I like that when I was like 15, 16, I would have fucking I, that would have been a fun thing to, to fail at. Honestly, that's still something great. Scott, great Scott the great Scott. That's the, the, to see the great Scott. See the great Scott. I like it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And you couldn't fail. So you'd be. I don't know what that means. Uh, you'd, you'd at least follow the script to a T. I don't know if that means you get a championship or belt or not, because they write it, right? Uh, you don't get to choose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, as long as people have been like, yo, he's a good, he's a, he's a fucking fantastic pro wrestler. That would have been. You know what? Great Scott. The great Scott's got to go up higher. They yeah, would have said, exactly. you know, we got to really boost him because yeah. he's. We got to push a main, main, main title. Yeah, exactly. Main title versus John Cena, WrestleMania. Yeah, ladder, ladder match. match. That's it. So the last one before we tell people where they can find you is what are you going to fail at next? What's the big thing you're going to take on that you haven't and you're going to just fail it till you nail it? Oh, dude. So uh, public speaking, literally. So we mentioned it earlier, but like I've been uh, I have somebody reached out to me. Shout out to Kevin Robertson. Shout out. Approached me with just doing some public speaking, paid gigs and stuff like that. Now, listen, I, I'm I, I'm just vo- going into a void of like things I don't know. This whole world of creativity, of speaking and podcast. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of winging it. But, you know, comedy feels right. And this is people think that like life, people compare life. Oh, it's ups and downs like a stock market. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's not true. It's just you need to add another dimension. It's almost like when I feel something, it's almost like I'm just trying to c- circle around it. And like this talking thing, I'm circling around it and like comedy feels nice but i don't get that mm-hmm. you know you, you need to have a a why driving you and i think the why for me is connection with people really making them better and i think i may be able to find that in that public speaking in that and again i'm gonna fail i'm gonna look like an asshole i'm gonna say some shit that i probably don't even know what i'm talking about but absolutely i'm gonna buy in a year from now i'll come on next year and i guarantee you i'll mm-hmm. master i'll master it so have you done toastmasters at all nope nope he wants me to sign up. You should yeah. do that. Do you know what it's like? Do you know the the how it goes down? Is it the, structure? Is it the impromptu one? No. So this one. So it's like, let's call it 25 to 30 people get into a room. Mm-hmm. There are random things like little story time things, whatever. The point is public speaking. So the, in various ways, one person or another gets up and does a public speech. And there's like someone who's timing them, someone who's counting every um and ah uh that they say. And then there's uh, another person who's doing something. I don't know. They do all these things. They give you all this feedback of the things you did good and bad, how close to the time limit you were, things like that. And where it's not judgy, but it's more like they're just pointing out all these things so you can work on them. And it's really, it's really awesome. Like, hey, uh, so, you know, you have to do a minute long thing. Uh, Okay. It was 56 seconds, but you said, um, like 17 times or, you know, and it's, it's actually a really cool way to, uh, to approach public speaking because it's all it's like a everyone's on the same team but they assign a, a placeholder word person to count those and stuff like that so I'd, I'd say you should definitely check it out uh i certainly will and it's probably gonna suck the first couple of times but <laughs> i will I'm, I'm i'm doing it man so it's pretty low pressure I, I remember i had i just found an award i got that day the one i've only done it once and it was like it was a who gives a shit what it was for but i got but the point was um if I went and I didn't know what it was about and I got some little plaque or something, I'm sure you'd do just fine. You know, you'd fit right in. And I'm sure that a lot of them are virtual now. Mm. I don't know if uh, if you're 
I assume New York's a little bit more strict than Kansas these days, just based on what I've seen. Yeah, but, unfortunately. But I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I'm from Boston, so I know that the difference a little bit living in a Democratic state and then a pre- pre- predominantly a Republican one. <clears throat> it's um, yeah, man, they've they, people have lost their minds a little bit here, but that's all right. We're just kind of working through it. Damn. People have lost their minds everywhere, just in case that's unclear. Did you hear what he did here, though? The mayor, uh, the mayor. <laughs> Mayor de Blasio, this jerk off. He's going out of office in what's it? Yeah, 20 days. He set up the first ever legal center where people can do drugs. So heroin, meth. Uh-huh. Legally, you could go right now. I can go to the center and just see now. I like this. I look, your face is telling me you don't like it. I like this. I like it if it is an educational center for psychedelics, for pot, educate people. Not just fucking, not just put all the fucking crackheads on 34th Street into a thing. That's it. Yeah. The the point isn't to give them a place to party. I think, well, Vancouver did this. I don't know if you know anything about what they did. They had like this place where you could go and, and, uh, you know, get clean needles and stuff like that. Do your heroin or whatever. But also like they would offer, you know, rehabilitation and and stuff like that. So as long as it's paired with with like. Because a lot of times they can die just from withdrawal or, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, what I mean, there's there's, uh, there's reasons to have safe ways of doing that. But I could see if it was poorly implemented, that it would be a nightmare. Yeah. And, and like this is the guy where uh, just another thing, a six year old can't go into a restaurant now and eat without being vaccinated. So a crackhead can get their syringe. But uh, it just it's too much flip floppiness for, for me. Like I, I am all. Like I literally, I, I grow my own mushrooms. I'm fucking all for it. I want to educate people. I've done that in the closet. Yeah, right there, right, 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 right there. Beautiful. And I'm all for that. Yeah. But again, my cousin was one of my spiritual gurus, and he taught me how to use them. Don't go to clubs. Do by yourself. Grow them. Use them for the, like, you know, it's this stuff. Dry them out. I didn't even know. Uh, no idea what the water rate was, but or you know. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> So where can people find you these days? Where's uh, where's the best spot? Yeah, man. Anybody just just Google causing the effect. You'll find me on Instagram. You can find the email there causing the effect podcast at gmail.com. I'm always here to answer any questions. I don't sell anything. I'm not a coach. I'm just like I look at myself like a vessel just to help people. Really, I'm taking a lot of information. I want people to, you know, not make the mistakes I made, make the mistakes you have to make, but get through them. Yeah. So just type in causing the effect. You'll find me. Anything anybody needs. I'm always here. Yeah. So 155 episodes. Is there a plan? For how many you plan on doing, or is it a never-ending journey? Oh, it's forever. Yeah, we're gonna be doing this for 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 a minute here, and um, it the, the traction's been nice. It's it's just a it's one of those things where you don't. It's like I don't gotta worry about making money. I don't gotta worry about this or that. Eventually, will it will start becoming um, you know, some some serious sponsors reached out this week. So, you know, making money, but I try to. It's good. You know, you don't want to have to do a whole fucking song and dance for a certain sponsor. I like doing my own shtick. So um, for for now, it's just being organic. So none of mine had ads until recently. I, I recorded an ad for my own company. Oh, nice. But but why wouldn't I already have an ad for my own company? It so, seems so stupid to it's my negative relationship with money. I didn't want it to impact creativity. And kind of like the thing you were saying earlier, like if we were both accountants, so it felt like we couldn't even be a creative or a creator, you know, it seems like you're not the, not an artist. Exactly. You know, when you went to school for accounting, Exactly. but we can do all sorts of creative things and just, just labeling yourself a creator or creative is as far as I'm concerned, that's good enough for me. Uh, you are a, a creative, you know, Exactly. and the more type of stuff you try to put out into the world. And it seems like everything you're doing is like, is positive thinking, trying to build people up rather than take them down. Yeah, man. Listen, I'm, I'm sure that you, you know people. In, there's like two types of people in this world. And there's two different examples. You could say there's people who kind of just flow with life. And oh, yeah, I'll try this. I'll try mm-hmm. this. People, ah, I don't want to. Or the, 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 it's, a, it's a classic duality thing. It's you can look at life like it has no meaning and you have no purpose, which could be true. Or you could look at it that you have all the meaning in the world and everything you do matters. And it's just simply believing the, the that that way. And I choose to live that way. And you know, belief is what drives everything. Um, so, you, you know, uh, it's better off to, to live that way. Trust me. Yeah. And even if you believe the, the first way, you will live a better life here. If this is the, if this is all we got, you'll still have a better time here with that second mindset. So you have to. It's the only way. Only way. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, sharing everything. And yeah, you're welcome to come back in a year. You can sh- flaunt your public speaking skills, uh, run circles around me. <laughs> Let's do it, Ben. Thank you so much, man. Seriously, you're, you're a great host. I love what you're doing. Uh, keep keep going, brother. 
I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to seeing more of what you put out in the world. Thanks, man. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.